All right, gang. So just a quick heads up.、Uh, instead of doing what I've been promising for ages, which is to get around to that audio book, instead I went ahead and compiled all ten years of the Blue Skies writing that I did and put it together in a fucking book. You'd be able to find it in pretty much any of the marketplaces that Amazon has. It is literally every single word I ever wrote from that magazine, and it's all put together in nice book form. You can buy it in ebook, you can buy it in paperback, and believe it or not, you can even buy it in fucking hardback.、Uh, again, it's going to be available here really, really soon. This one not only includes all the articles that were in the first fucking pilot book, but about sixty more articles. It's got three hundred and fifty or so pages of some pretty funny, inappropriate, and hopefully informative shit. So check it out. Skies call. They seduce us, pulling us irresistibly upwards, reminding us to fly our own line, on our wings, and in life. We are the seekers, adventurers, being one with the air, feeling everything and nothing at once. That's the magic we chase. Follow the call. Find your pure wild flight with NZ Aerosports. Of course, I absolutely love the NZ Aerosports business model. I mean, come on! One glance at an Icarus "fuck yeah" sticker, and you know it lines up perfectly with the fucking pilot mentality. But outside their wonderful use of colorful language and a great company vibe, there's a long list of reasons to say NZ Aerosports "fuck yeah." NZ Aerosports blows me away right out of the gate as a canopy manufacturer with a bold offer. They give you ten jumps on your brand new nylon to decide if you want to keep it. Swap it out, or even return it for a refund. I mean, seriously, how incredible is that? That's like getting halfway through a prom and deciding you prefer the slightly racier date that goes down faster. Seriously, they do that. If you're not madly in love with your new canopy after ten jumps, they'll let you swap it out for another size or model, or even get your money back. And the range of canopies they've got, man, they've got a style canopy to fit every jumper and every situation with models you know and trust. Like the Sapphire Three, the perfect choice for the beginner or intermediate canopy pilot. The Crossfire Three, when you're ready to kick it up that elliptical notch. The JFX Two, if you're looking to up your new swoop game. The Leia as the workhorse and dirt water dirt beast, or the Petra. The Petra cranks out crazy power and is nothing short of a record breaker. But hey, it's not always about speed either. Take the Kraken, built as a low pack volume canopy specifically with wingsuiting in mind. She gives you all the performance you're looking for, with the reliability you need that'll have you itching for that next formation, rodeo, or puffy cloud. So the equipment is top of the line, kick-ass stuff, as you already know. But how about the team? Well, the customer service gang is there to sort you out whenever you need them. Maddie and Beto are always there to help, with Jen holding the reins. They're available for you at sales at nzaerosports.com, and they've got a kick-ass live chat tool on the website if you're wanting to hit someone up right away. These are the crew you're going to want to talk to to get those custom orders in. With the stock nylon, 
Once you know what you want, they'll have that shit on a FedEx truck as soon as the credit card machine says approved and get you in the air in no time. For your custom orders, you'll be able to get a time frame for building and shipping when you design it, so get to it. And demos. They've got demos in the U.S. available from their partner Rock Sky Market. The whole U.S. demo fleet is there with Sapphire 3, Crossfire 3, Kraken, JFX2, and Leia canopies in a range of sizes. They also offer student and tandem demos in the U.S. Bottom line, every step of the way, NZ Aerosports is there to get you what you need, and I personally couldn't be happier to be teamed up with them here on Lunatic Fringe. And now, time to get started with Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, brought to you proudly by NZ Aerosports. Fuck yeah! Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go! Back in the can for another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void and is is the new habit straight into it. Who the fuck are you and what do you do? Hi, everyone. I'm Laura. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am a skydiving instructor and camera flyer okay. in the Middle East. So uh, um, instructor is in tandem and AFF, the whole nine? Tandem instructor. Um, I have done some AFF, but not um, currently at the moment. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. So just uh, um, hauling meat and shooting videos. Yes. Nice. Yeah. How the fuck did you get started in that? Um, so I've been jumping now for nine years. Okay. Um, I started skydiving at university. I yeah went into the Freshers' Fair. They had this big hall full of lots of different tables of different things you could join, basketball, volleyball. And then I saw skydiving and thought that sounded Is it fun. It's got to be a, a Europe thing, because I mean, and I'm, I guess it's in the, it's probably in the states as well. I just didn't I didn't go to university, so yes. I wouldn't know. But I wouldn't. I mean, skydiving clubs. So this is yeah. I've from jumping other in yeah lots of different countries. I've realized that this is a massive thing in the UK. Um, a lot of the people I know in the UK, we have all met through the university skydiving clubs. Okay. Um, and it's a shame they don't do it in more places, really. But. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, I mean, I suppose that starts to make sense because as an American jumping up, you know, starting my career there, the English are like a fucking virus. Yes. <laughs> You're everywhere. everywhere. Just fucking more Brits and skydiving than anything. Mm. And Brits and Irish and all this stuff. And I assume that it's because they offer stuff like skydiving in university. Yes. And um, yeah, it's a huge thing. So it's probably about at least 15 I can think of university clubs where wow. so it's very um heavily focused on static line okay and I listened to your interview with Simon and so it's a very similar story to Simon's okay in that I started at university I started doing static line I actually didn't continue with static line um so I did I think two static line jumps and then it was actually um strange so I was at university I woke up one day and I just couldn't see out of my left eye. What? what? Yeah, so I was hoping to continue static line, keep going. And then I woke up, and just my left eye was shut. And I thought, okay, this is this is abnormal. <laughs> yeah. I called the doctor, said, you know, I need to come in. They said, we haven't got any appointments for two weeks. You know, the NHS, they can't fit you in. Right. And I said, look, I can't see out of my left eye, it's shut. And then they said, you need to come today. I think they thought I had a stroke. But I was only 19. So, I mean... I didn't even consider that I could have had a stroke. Sure. 
Um, went along and they did some tests on my arm, other yeah, making sure everything was functioning and right. said it just yeah, it must be just oh you're over overtired. Probably had, you know, partied a bit too hard at, at the beginning of university. And that's you got to party pretty fucking hard to make an to make eye, eye stop collapse. working. Yeah, it's pretty weird. But it, yeah, so after after like a week, it like fully opened again. And then if I got like really overtired or stressed about something, it would just like kind of shut a bit. All right. So I went to the drop zone where right. I was doing static line, and they said, you know, until we know what's going on with your eye, <laughs> I think you should probably not jump for a bit yeah. until you've worked that out. So then by this point, I would have had to have redone the first jump course. Start everything again, and I just thought, oh, I'll just save up and do AFF. Right. Um, so I started saving up. Then, just before I was about to start AFF, I was in an accident mm. where I was hit by a truck or a lorry, as we'd call it in the UK. So I had to put back by another year. So I think by time, so I did two static line jumps when I was nineteen, and then when I was just before I was twenty-one is when I did AFF. Wow. Yeah. So uh, 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 bizarre problems with your eyes, and then you got and run then down by a truck. Hit by a truck, yeah. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Luckily, so- like no, you know, permanent damage. I had a bit of, you know, problems with my lower back, but nothing. No, I like, didn't break anything. So. so it's a bit of a rough start. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But, now, uh, yeah. So in university, what were you going to be when you grew up? Um, so I decided to do a degree in mathematics. Um, most of the skydivers so when you join the university skydiving club I don't know what it is about these courses but it's either um, mathematics mainly engineering so engineering mathematics and physics are pretty much 99% of the people in the skydiving club physics I could get because you maybe you want to see it for yourself see it for yourself <laughs> yes I don't I don't know if it's the fact that you know maybe some of the other degrees were maybe a little bit more exciting that Fair. We needed an extra thrill. I'm not sure. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. So, you, what were you going to do with mathematics, or did you know? I didn't know. I just thought that's a good degree. It's something that is pretty versatile. It can go into anything. And I assume you're good with numbers, then. Yes. I, yeah. Um, so then after that, yeah, I then was working as a business analyst for a while, and yeah, I tried to have a normal job. As normal we say. life. All right. Yes. Well, I mean, I of course decided to become a pilot, and I can't count to twenty without taking my shoes off. Because, yeah. <laughs> of course, that just yeah. makes sense. So y- you tried the normal life. I did try, yes. I'm guessing the family was happy with the normal life. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I graduated from university, had a job as, first of all, as a graduate analyst, and then found another job as a business analyst and had all these, you know, I was skydiving on the weekend still. Okay. Um, whilst I was at uni- sort of before, um, just before graduating university, I had my first job doing outside video. Okay. So in the UK, in a lot of places, hand cam has just taken over for tandems. Sure. Um, but in the UK, they have very strict rules on hand cam. Um, so outside video is still really popular. Mm. So I started doing outside video and then sort of carried on doing that just on the weekends whilst having a normal job. Mm. And it worked quite well. So I think if to be a full-time skydiver in the UK is quite challenging. Sure. Weather and all. Weather, just, yeah, a lot of clouds, a lot of rain. Sure. So for a lot of the skydiving instructors or people who work in the sport, it's often a weekend or part-time thing and you have another gig lined up. Sure. So whilst working in a normal job, it worked quite well. Sometimes I was maybe a bit too tired working. At one point, I think I worked 
40 days in a row without a break. Ooh. And that was not a, a great idea for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's good. Like it was, that was good. But then I had, had always dreamed, okay, what if I could travel the world? What if I could go and see other things? And sure. It was all like every time I was in the office, I was kind of looking outside and wishing I was out there. Sure. Um, and yeah, I always thought it would be nice to be able to travel. That's why that's part of the reason I ended up getting my tandem rating. Mm. Just doing outside video isn't really the most desirable thing. It used to be back in the day, but yeah. not anymore. Now, if no, you're not, if you don't have every rating out there, mm. it's difficult to to be able to just you know pick a job. But if you've got them all, exactly, skydiving is a it's a pretty good gig. Yeah. I mean, it's fucking hard work. So if you've got all the ratings and you can do the job, you're a hot commodity. Yeah. But so you're you're working five days a week as a normal person. Yes. And you're one of us on the weekends. Yes. At what point did you decide, fuck the normal life? Well, it'd be so I'd go into work on, on Mondays. I just feel, I mean, I feel like most people in a normal job, I mean, unless you're super passionate about your job, which most people seem to. 98% people aren't. Yeah. They're just, you know, living for the weekend. No one's really, oh, it's Monday again. So right. I'd go into work having had a really good weekend at the drop zone and then feel a bit sort of down the fact that I was stuck in office for the next five days. Sure. And just thought there has to be more to life than this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And another thing, I mean, I was, I'd say I was relatively good at my office job. Sure. Um, but on top, I would also just sort of struggle. Often I'd get told off for talking too much, being inappropriate. I remember at one point turning to the girl Victoria behind me and telling her about a crazy dream I'd had that involved someone famous. It was quite a raunchy dream. And my manager looking at me like, this is unacceptable <laughs> topics for discussion at work. And I was just like, oh. I don't fit in here. So I think, yeah, just, I and mean, you know, it's like a drop zone. You can say anything you want. Yeah. To well, fair enough. I, I, that's actually a great segue to the fact that I walked into a conversation that you were in today that involved how many dildos somebody can yes. actively use at once. Yes. Which <laughs> I think the number was six. Well, yeah, I think Cody had suggested that you could use six. But the reason this conversation came into discussion was so there's some law in Texas that stops or there's no laws in texas apparently to say how many guns you can own right but there is apparently a law saying that you can't own more than six dildos right which i thought was hilarious um it is pretty funny yeah it is pretty well and so i think you guys were trying to determine whether or not you could use more than six dildos yes. at once and it was a pretty interesting conversation to walk in on yeah because i didn't actually hear the word dildo i just saw him miming, miming everything yes. going on and it was pretty obvious yeah well yeah it's so it's kind of funny, right? I mean, the 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 whole PC thing around the world has certainly caught skydiving to a certain degree, um, mm. but it seems to have. It, there's a lot of holes in that particular um, movement, of which I'm very happy because I'm not politically correct. Exactly. I just and I find that the happiest skydivers are generally pretty inappropriate. Yeah, or at least accepting of being inappropriate. Yes. It's weird though, right? Though I mean, because it's especially as a woman in the sport, it's not been the most accepting sport for women. No, it's not been the most accepting sport for minorities. Um, but the uh, women and the minorities that I know in the sport are amazing human beings that are very accepting of all the inappropriate shit that goes on. So yeah. it's it's kind of weird. It, yeah, it, I've had people sort of make inappropriate jokes, and then sort of they've come up to me and said, "Laura, 
are you okay? Is this is this okay? So, what do you, what do you mean? They said, are you know, you're going to make a complaint to the right to someone else higher up. I was like, no. Right. Yeah, what are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, I've been skydiving for nine years. I think some of the most inappropriate shit that's ever been said to me on a drop zone was by a woman. Yeah, and it's fucking funny. Yes, it's not. It, it's it's um. That's my vacation from the real world is knowing that you can go on a drop zone and it's pretty much uh, – even if I said something you don't particularly approve of, you'll just go fuck off and walk the other direction. Yeah. Which is a very nice thing, right? The, the ability You don't have to, to think, oh, I'm going to go tell the manager. I'm going to do this. Not, yeah. Well, it's I, – I don't see a lot of skydivers using the word I'm offended. Yeah. Because if they're offended, they just say go fuck yourself and they walk away. Yeah. Which is great. That's kind of how the world should be. Yes. I think. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you say fuck the real world because you keep getting in trouble. Yeah. And just I sort of realized, you know, I don't fit in here. And I was, yeah, like just constantly getting told off for talking too much. And then in a world doing like, yeah, as a skydiving instructor, you can't get told off for talking too much. Mm. It's good. It's customer service. You should talk to your customer. Yeah. So it's, it seemed like a good fit. Um, my dad, yeah. Oh, I'd say mostly my dad. My parents weren't particularly impressed that I was going to just be a skydiving bum. Sure. Um, I, you know, I just sort of said to them, I'd like to try it. The real world is still going to be there. Right. If I want to go back and work in an office, I'm sure, sure. I can get a job in an office another time. Um, so I then, yeah, told them I was going to going to leave, go off traveling. And then, yeah, my dad wasn't, you could tell he wasn't massively impressed by this. But I think now that I'm here, sure, they're okay with it. And you're doing it, and you're you're making it work, and yeah, you're having working, fun, and yeah. you're happy. Yes. Which is I mean, hopefully that's the most important thing for parents to take into consideration: is my kid happy and healthy? Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, so do you think it's hard? I I, I hate to say it, but it, it I think it's more accepting for a guy to go. I'm gonna fuck off and travel the world and go jump out of airplanes than it is for a woman to do so. Even today, yeah. Do you think I, it's harder? Yes, I think so. It's got to be, right? Yeah, and I think there's sort of, yeah, even just, for example, just when I got my tandem rating in the UK, I think now there's maybe seven or eight women with a British tandem instructor rating. That's it? In out of, I think, 400 instructors. Holy shit. So it's a very, very small percentage. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're trying to do something about that to try and have more women work, work in the sport. Um but it's yeah, it wasn't a very friendly environment. Um, even to just yeah, when I sort of suggested getting my tandem rating, there was one place that you know sort of said, "Well, you're going to have to be willing to jump in the big boys' conditions and <laughs> all this kind of stuff." And I was just like, "Yeah, what a load of shit." Yeah, and sort of you know being told, "Oh, you're probably not strong enough." And yeah, I know some pretty weak guys. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. And you and I work with and know a number of very petite female instructors that are oh, fucking amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. Um, and dramatically better flyers than some of the guys that I know because guys get out and we try and beat up the air and the yeah. air doesn't give a fuck how much this you can is, Yeah, like the women press. have to have the technique. So it, It's technique yeah. and it's finesse, right? Yeah. Uh, and I also, not that it's a, it's a rule, it's definitely not, but a lot of the female instructors I know work so much much better with their students because it's important for that student to know this is what's going on. This is what we're going to need to do. Not to mention having some, you know, 90 kg guy sitting on the lap of a, a 55 or 60 kg instructor. It's, yeah. You, you got to talk to him. 
Yes. It's, yeah. Do you find a, as a female instructor, you get pushed back if you're taking guys? Have you ever had a guy that's like, I expected to go with another dude? I've had both male and female said this. So I've, um, a few times, yeah, had even tiny women who are much <laughs> like I'm quite tall. Right. So much, much smaller than I am say, do you think you're strong enough to take me? I think, are you joking? <laughs> How funny is that? Yeah. Or yeah, like, I mean, and a lot of, yeah, I've had quite a few women say, you know, I was really hoping to jump with a man. And then, I mean, the nice thing is often after the jump, they said, oh, I'm really glad I got to jump with you. Sure. Uh, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it's never, what I always find interesting is so when you're tightening up, tightening up the harness, you get a big 90, 99 kilo man sits on your legs. Nothing. Doesn't say anything. His right. career is crushing you. Yeah. But he says nothing. The tiny girl who's am 50 kilos, she goes, am I hurting you? And you're like, honestly, this is a dream. This yeah. is really easy. Yeah. 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 No, I, I get it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's, I'd like to think that the sport keeps changing and, and it definitely has, especially in the time that I've been in. Uh, mm. When I wrote for Blue Skies Magazine, it was owned and operated by two women that went out of their way to tell me to be inappropriate and talk about boobs and all this other stuff. And I had a whole lot of fun and it was great because it kind of freed me up to to write whatever the hell I wanted to write because I knew this was coming from the top and it was a woman that was like, have fun with this. This yeah. is This is just for a good time. It's supposed to be entertainment. People shouldn't be taking this deadly seriously. But then now it's your dad and it's his daughter saying, I want to go travel the world and chuck yes. drugs and do this. As as a father of a daughter, I can if my daughter said that, I'd be, ooh, well, uh, wow. Yeah. yeah, that that'd be kind of tough. Yeah. Oh, I mean, especially going from a professional job to what's widely considered a, a incredibly irresponsible way to live your life. And yeah, I think that as much like I would yeah, my parents were amazing and they did help me a lot financially. Mm. Like they didn't pay for my university degree. I still have a lot of university debt that I need to pay off. <laughs> right. Um but they did help me a lot whilst I was at university. So I think, you know, they had sort of hoped that I'd have right. this amazing career and be the director of something. I don't know. I but. think I'm probably one of the few people in skydiving. My parents were relieved that I just started jumping out of airplanes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait. He's not. Okay, good. Okay, good. That's fine. Yeah, just go jump out of airplanes. Because <laughs> I was a fucking Vegas stripper for 11 years. Yeah, so I they were this. Yeah, so they were thrilled. Oh, my God. He's going to keep his pants on? That's <laughs> <laughs> fucking great. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So you you decide you're going to just chuck it all. You're going to travel the yeah. world, and you've got your tandem rating. Yeah. Um, what was the game? Or did you have a game plan, or did you just start putting feelers out? So I had been um, – well, a few of my friends worked over in, in the Middle East. Mm. Um, I'd been to visit. They had a boogie on. Um, I went and saw the drop zone. It looked incredible. Um, everything was shiny and new. and Sure. It all, yeah, looked very professional. Um and I knew to work there, I needed more tandems. than I think at the time when I left my job, I only had maybe 70 tandems. So I knew I needed some more experience. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure. Um, so for the first year, I just worked in the UK um, at a couple of drop zones. Um, just, yeah, mainly tandems, some outside video, but yeah, mainly tandems. Um, and then I think by the end of that season, I then went over to Australia, um, spent about just under two years over there. Mm. And this is when COVID hit. So I was kind of going there to get experience. I had originally thought, oh, it'd be nice to then maybe go over to New Zealand. So sure. being from the UK, 
you have this passport where you can have a working holiday visa for Australia and New Zealand and a few other places, I think. But that's where a lot of people, you know, go and do farm work and do this. And sure. Travel Australia and travel New Zealand, all that kind of stuff. So I would, yeah, I was over in Australia. Maybe after six months of being there was when the first lockdown happened. Um, I considered going back to the UK, but Boris Johnson was just telling everyone to wash their hands and sing happy birthday. So that didn't seem like a very legit thing to do. Um, and I was having, still having fun in Australia. So even though I was in lockdown, sure. I was in this really beautiful area. Um, Where were you? In this place called Lake Conjola, which is um, south of Sydney in New okay. South Wales. Really um, small rural coastal town. And it was beautiful. Mm. I was like, well, here or Boris Johnson. Well, Fair enough. Yeah, so I decided to stay. Um, Australia opened up a lot sooner mm. than um, the UK. Probably partly because of their lockdown and partly because there's a lot less people there on sure. such a huge island. Sure. Um, so yeah, I could start skydiving sooner, a lot sooner in Australia. Um, mm. Kept on doing tandems, got my AFF rating there. Um, so I didn't do AFF in the UK. I mean, yeah, just started doing it in Australia. Um, super fun. I love doing AFF. It's, uh, it's the sketchiest jumps, but amazing. You're right about that. Yeah, like everyone's just completely different. It's yeah, yeah. The, I'll tell you what, looking back on all my jumps, um, if you ask me the jumps I enjoy the most, even fun jumps and sport jumps, uh, I enjoyed being a tandem instructor, and it's what I did more than anything. Um, AFF was terrifying. Yeah, terrifying, yeah. Fucking terrifying. I actually quit doing AFF because a student had such a bad landing. I'm like, I can't, I can't live through yeah. the stress. I can't do it. Uh, but I enjoyed the challenge of it. But it's just knowing that, oof, on a tandem, I'm going to take care of it. Yeah. I'm going to get it done. I used to tell my students, if you don't do anything I've told you to do, it just means I work harder and we still have fun. Yeah, we're still going to have fun, yeah. So it becomes uh, – tandems went from being the worst thing I'd ever done to being the least stressful skydive I could make. Yes. Which is very crazy. Yeah. That, yeah. This is something I de – yeah, I definitely agree with that. At first, it was quite terrifying, but then now it just seems like a very relaxed jump. Sure. Right? Yeah. Hey, which – how strange is that? Yeah. It's pretty fucking weird. No, no, no. It's chill to strap another human being to me and, and jump out of an airplane. Well, yeah. Never knowing what they're going to do. And you get all types. <laughs> Yeah, this is very true. <laughs> oh, Lord. So uh, you had – I've seen – you were actually on a load that I was flying once where uh, one of the students melted down, one of the worst refusals I've ever seen. And it was yes. a guy. This is – yeah, the day. The well, day. The day. So yeah. it's probably one of the most fun days I've had at Drop Zone. It was <laughs> so many things happened that day. Yeah. I don't even know where, where to begin. So earlier on in the day, so I was – Junior was filming, um, Junior was on tandems, I was filming him. Yeah. We had, yeah, the on the whole load, it was just, it was hilarious. So one of the passengers was fully passed out earlier in the day. And even on the ground, I mean, we thought maybe, so, like, it took me over five minutes for her to, normally people, you know, come to as soon as pretty you quick, land. Yeah. Qu pretty quickly, five minutes, and people, her husband's going, she has no pulse. And I was like, move, oh, it's okay, no, she has a pulse, she's not dead. Um, so that was sort of like the beginning of the day. Wait, then, did you say that before you checked? <laughs> no, I did check. I was like, because I thought, oh, maybe. Because that would be the first thing I'd say. No, she's not dead. She's dead. She's dead. 
So then, I, yeah, she she wasn't, she wasn't dead. dead. She wasn't dead. Um, and then the refusal happened. So that was hilarious on the just the fact that the people who were jumping were the three. The guy was huge, and the other two instructors were probably the two biggest instructors on the yeah. drop zone. Yeah, and they were at the right at the front, so everyone had to like climb past them. Like he's screaming, trying to shut the door on everyone. He melted. I've never seen a more violent refusal ever. Yes. He was fucking absolutely terrified. Yeah. I've never seen. He was seen... trying to like grab the handles, everything. It was, yeah. I have never seen a more visceral response to that door opening ever. Cause I knew what was happening at the beginning of the jump run, which means from the cockpit through all those people in a twin otter, I knew somebody was losing their shit. Yeah. Yeah. That was not good. Yeah. And he, like, as the plane even took off, he was super pumped. He was screaming, this is going to be amazing. And then as soon as he, as soon as the door opened, to let the fresh air in at 2,000 feet, whatever, that's when he lost his shit and started refusing. So he was refusing from 2,000 feet. So we had quite a long, um, you know, they were trying to persuade him for the rest of the ride up, but. Oh, my goodness. Not, yeah. I think it would have been unsafe to take him for sure. But, oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, and I have a theory about why when guys freak out, it's so much worse because we're programmed from day one. You don't show fear. You're not supposed yeah. to feel fear. So when you're actually faced with it, we have no clue how to handle how it. How to behave. None whatsoever. When real terror gets into you, you just, fuck, I'm, I'm going straight to the farm. It's yeah. done. It's over. Um, and women handle it better because you're taught from the beginning, oh, this will be scary, but you can handle it and you can do this and that. And but guys are like, fucking man up. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't know how to do it. It's, it's great. Yeah. I had another refusal I had here was – I haven't had many refusals, but this woman – she was already telling me on the ground, oh, I might I, I might not jump. I'm really scared. I'm really scared. I was like, don't worry. That's normal. You'll love it. It's going to be great. Right. And then she was jumping with her boyfriend or husband, unsure. And I put, knowing that she'd already told me I might not jump, I put her in seat number six at the back. The boyfriend, husband, whoever, was in seat one or two. He's right at the front. And I, she had already been, you know, voicing her concerns on the way up. I am sure that I had to convince her to go. Sure. And as we are shuffling down the plane to get out, the boyfriend is in the front <laughs> refusing. And he, I'm honestly sure that if she, if he wasn't there, she would have gone, which is sad. Sure. Because it's a lot of money they spent for two of them to not jump. So that was a double refusal. Both came down in the plane. Isn't that brutal? Yeah. I think I may have either I was flying that one or I was there the day that that yeah. happened. This is for very, sure, this is so rare. <laughs> uh, we used to have it the the drop zone that I started doing tandems at. We used to have kind of a, an unwritten rule that uh, if it was a guy and a girl that came out, the girl always went first because then a guy is never going to refuse. Yeah, it's what we used to gone, yeah, jokingly true. call girl power. Yes. Uh, until and this oh. is still the funniest refusal I ever had. I was shooting video out of a two hundred six. So I'm sitting next to the pilot facing backwards. Mm -hmm. I'm shooting video for the guy. He's probably a 190-pound, big, buff, you know, macho guy. And girlfriend's in the back, not, doesn't have video. Um, the door opens, and this guy has got a death grip on the pilot seat. He's practically breaking the pilot seat off. He's that terrified. He does not want to go. Not as bad as the, as the one that we saw the other day, but uh, pretty bad. So he's there's no way he's going to go. Now they've got to do the dosi -si do because the girl's got to get past him because yeah. she's still going to jump. So he starts sliding back, and I'm like, "Hey, 
I'm going to jump out of this fucking plane. I'm not landing in the plane, so I'm just going to go shoot video for her. He's like, whatever, I don't care, I don't care. And as he's sliding back and she's sliding past him, she thumps him in the chest, calls him a fucking pussy. I climb out and out the door we go. Amazing. I'm dying laughing the entire free fall because all I can think is that relationship's not going to make it out of the parking lot. No. That's done, isn't it? Yeah. It's done. It's over. You're just kind of, as a guy, you're kind of, in that respect, fucked. Yeah. He's been totally emasculated here. Right? Yes. I mean, and for her to just thump him in the chest. The only thing I ever saw that was worse than that was a proposal on a plane and and she said no. Wow. Yeah. And I had to take him on a tandem after she said no. Oh. That was kind of terrifying for me. I'm like... This guy, he's very sad. <laughs> pretty sure he wants to die at the moment, and yeah. I'm about to throw him out of an airplane. So that's not good. Why did he propose in the plane? Why did he propose without knowing what the answer was? Yeah, that's not I something mean, you do. I'm sorry, you just don't do that. Yeah, you you, you gotta have a pretty fucking good idea. Yeah, right. Well, you'd think. What <laughs> you would think. So back to the day that the the terrible. Oh, this day. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. So what else happened on that day? Okay, so I think the refusal for this, you know, this huge guy refusing, that was... Oh, wait, hang on, you're empty. Oh, yes, wine, of course. Yeah, Like I said, wine is a prerequisite for a good podcast. <laughs> Any regular listeners are very used to that sound. <laughs> All right, so please, go ahead. Um, so, so we've had the refusal... And you, this, I think, by this point, there's at least three or four like hilarious things that already happened during the day. Um, I think there was another customer that had like a, a mole, and they had like super long hairs coming out of the mole <laughs> that we all thought was really funny. And you shouldn't laugh at stuff like that. Yeah, you it's should. It's really funny. It's yeah. hilarious, and we were just like, just staring. Right. Yeah. So there's all these things that happened during the day that were hilarious, and we we're like, what else can happen on this? Like, what was going on today? Right. Um. So then it was jump number. Seven, maybe, I don't know. Um, in the plane, myself and Junior and the passenger right at the back. Everyone else is, you know, shuffling down. Out they go. And then I'm about to climb out, hand on the bar, just turning to get myself outside of the uh, outside the door. And suddenly I get thrown back inside. I have no idea what's going on. I look at Junior. He's looking startled, as am I. The plane is fully diving at this point. We're, we're going down. And, like, at first, me and Junior just staring at each other and, like, just sheer confusion. Like, just, just... What the fuck? Completely confused, yes. Right. And then, at first, you know, we thought maybe maybe there was some sort of other aircraft. There was a helicopter that came through and, you know, <laughs> Dean had to just avoid it. And, oh, and, then, and then after a few more seconds, we, we realized, no, Dean doesn't know we're here. We're just... <laughs> We're just going down. You just you just didn't know. So then I then look at Junior. Junior's like, go, go and tell him. So I shuffle down along the bench, get to the nice glass perspex, yeah. you know, the COVID safe, pull it back open, tap you on the shoulder. And then as you turn around, the look of pure, pure, like terror. Yeah. I shit myself. Shit yourself. Yeah. yeah pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> Because the way we the way we do things, we do a, a weight and balance that we put out on uh, a WhatsApp message. Mm-hmm. Um, that way, we can verify that we've done the weight and balance for the planes. And so, I I know what the next load is as it's coming. And you guys were hidden perfectly in my blind spot in this little mirror. I just flat out didn't see you. Thought the last one was gone and started my descent. Mm. 
So from my perspective, I'm on the descent. I've now got my phone in my hand and I've got my speed set. I'm, it's Everything's beautiful. And I'm entering the numbers into the WhatsApp to put the weight and balance in when I feel a hand on my shoulder. And there's fucking no way there should be a hand or a person <laughs> in that plane. And the video that I got sent shortly after that of my face ridiculous. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Amazing. I've never been more shocked in my fucking life because I looked you in the eyes and all I could think is, what the fuck are you doing here? You don't belong here. And then, yeah, like, I mean, then I pulled the blast back and I said, Dean, we're still here. (laughs) And the look of, yeah, pure confusion. Yeah. And then, I mean, the funniest thing is the passenger, he was loving it. He had no idea what was going on, just having a great time. Yeah, having a blast. And then you obviously quickly throw the plane back around. We need, oh, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then, you know, you're going <laughs> to throw us out somewhere else. Yeah. Um, take us back around. And um, as this happened, I then fl- fell on the floor. Um, <laughs> turned junior and said, okay, here we go again. Uh, the passenger's having a great time. Like, oh, yep. just smiling away. Yeah. Um, do the jump. Land and everyone's like, "What happened?" Because normally, when this happens, it's because someone's refused. You've sure. managed to convince them to jump. You know, it's the very it's rare, but it does happen. Sure. Um, and then I said, "No, no, no, no." <laughs> Dean, Dean forgot us, and they were like, "What?" And I was like, "Dean forgot that we were there. He d- didn't, ca- you know, just just, mi- you just missed us. it. Just missed us." <laughs> I was like, "But don't worry, guys, I have the video. <laughs> yeah, it's all on film. It's all on video." Um, so we get into the editing room straight away. And then I'm pretty sure by within five minutes, everyone at the drop zone has seen. Yes. The riggers have come out. Manifest yes. has come out. Everyone's in the editing room. Yes. Um, and that's when you obviously get sent the video straight away also. The next fucking load. Yeah. I had the video. Yeah. So I'm watching the next. I'm still like red faced going, I can't oh, believe fuck. I've just done this. <laughs> and now I'm watching myself on the video and cut to every day since then. Someone says something along the lines of, yeah. by the way, we're still here. Yeah. <laughs> Always, every time. It was every drop zone. I'm getting messages from people and I'll cop to it. I fully fucking didn't see you guys started my descent. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a hilarious story, but it's also still damn good you weren't outside the fucking yeah, plane. Uh, yes. So I as, mean, as funny as it is, it could have gone to shit. Could have gone, yeah. If I, mean, if I was fully, I guess if I was fully had climbed out. And then you did that, there's a good chance I could have hit the tail, right? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Or, it, 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 I don't know if you would have hit the tail, but you certainly would have had a nasty fucking exit. Yes. It wouldn't have been nice. you know. Yeah. And I'm not particularly aggressive on my descents, um, thankfully. Yes. Uh, had I been, I would have pinned you to the ceiling before you went out the door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad I got all that shit out of my system years ago yeah. as a, a young jump pilot. Uh, <laughs> but believe me, I thought about that. I'm like, wow, that actually could have gone yeah. A really negative way. So for as funny as it was, I think it was also a great learning experience. Yes. I think, um, yeah. Even at this stage in my career, it's nice to know you're still learning shit, even though I had to fuck something up to yeah. do it. <laughs> and it turned out to be very funny and make yeah. a funny video. Yeah. Which is nice. Yes. So, um, and I'm assuming that that video's made the rounds outside yeah. the drop zone as oh, well. Oh, yeah. Oh, because even like, I think a few days later, I turned up at the desert to do a couple of fun jumps and everyone's sort of like, Laura, I've seen your video. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to, I think I'll have to take the copy that I've got and attach it to the uh, the podcast. Yes. So people can watch it. Yes, I think, Because yeah. it's, uh, I'll, I'll cop to it. 
I fuck shit up. It's yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It happens. And it's good that you know things went wrong, but there were and the, you know no serious consequences. It was just a light-hearted well, situation. And, well, and you can certainly hope that uh, uh, if you're going to be learning lessons in skydiving, that they're that easy to learn yes. with no negative consequences. Because yes. let's face it, we're in a sport where okay, generally yes. the lessons learned come with some consequences. Come with some broken bones. Right? Yes. Speaking of, ever busted any bones? I have. I have broken my ankle, as you can probably see. I, I thought I saw some scars. My scar. Yeah. yeah. What did you do? Um, I just landed badly. I landed off and, it, yeah, snapped it. I heard it snap. I you it heard it snap? Yeah, yes. So, like... I, I that call, ankle's a long way from your ears. You had to snap the shit out of yeah, that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's a mixture of, like, heard it or felt it or both. Probably both. Both. Um, yeah, yeah. I'd never broken a bone before. I've called my mom, said my ankle's broken. And she was like, you don't know that. And I was like, no, I know. She goes, no, but you haven't had an extra. I was like, mom, I, I felt and way. heard it snap. And it is facing a completely different direction. So, yeah. That was, yeah. Wasn't a great phone call for her, I'm sure. Sure. But, you know. What it, so... Again, I hate I hate to get back to the male female thing, but I think it's relevant. What do moms and dads think when their daughters are breaking themselves? Because my mom was surprised when I called and hadn't fucked myself up mm. in some way. But it's a whole different story. Yeah. So I think at first, like when I first started to learn skydive, I'd have to call or message my mom after every single day and be like, "I'm okay and I'm safe," and she's really worried. Right. Um, and I still get now. Even my grandparents. I mean, they're in the eighties, so. Mm. You know, they don't really understand. Tough for them I'm, to grab the concept. Yeah, of what I'm doing. But they're like, how many jumps have you done now? And I tell them, and they say, don't you think you've done enough? Do you think you But then the thing is, they say that to me, but then to all of their friends, they'll like get a picture of me on. Oh, and yeah. And they're like, look at my granddaughter. Look how amazing she is. Yeah. So it's very different. Like to me, they're like, but you should stop. Yeah. You should probably have a baby and find a boyfriend or yeah. something. But. Yeah. It's still bragging rights. Yeah. I get the same thing. Obviously, it's it's a little bit different when it's, again, a guy and a girl. But yeah. uh, um, it's it was always the, really, maybe you should think about something else. And then I find out because yeah. all of my dad's friends knew that I was jumping out of airplanes. And I'm like, how the fuck do they know? Because I haven't told them. Oh, well, no, I show them your pictures. And, yeah. Well, stop giving me shit for it then. You're using me as a, as a bragging chip. Exactly. I'm like, come on. <laughs> yeah, so um, I think, well, the probably the first injury I had, again, I mean, I've learned from this, like, at one point, my name was Landoff Laura. Um, <laughs> so I've landed off a few times. Um, and I think just sort of making, I've learned that I had made bad decisions mm. and, like, not decided early enough, okay, I'm not going to make it back to the drop zone mm. and hadn't come up with a plan in my head of what I was going to do. So I've since, yeah, from these experiences, have learned my lesson. Of, sure. Okay, we need to make up a... We need to th- realize so fast enough I'm not going to make it back. Sure. Where am I going to... What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? Sure. Um, but yeah, so the first time I hurt my elbow was... I landed off... So the first jump, I just made it back to the drop zone, like just made it back to the landing area. Then the next jump, I was in roughly the same spot. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I made it back last time, so sure. I'll make it back now. And then landed over the road in the field just across the road. And at this point, I yeah, I think we're still trying to make it back to the landing area. So I ended up landing crosswind, tried to run, was running was way too fast. And then rather than doing 
the role that you get taught to do in AFF <laughs> or in a static right. line, I put my hand out and I mean my, as you can see my arms bend in a yeah. horrible manner yeah. so I have very yeah like a lot of hypermobility yeah. um, but it bent even further um, and I, yeah it was instantly painful I thought oh, I've probably broken my arm um, went to the hospital did some x-rays and they said you know even before the x-ray said your shoulder your elbow is broken it's you know right. you're going to have to do surgery then they did the, the x-ray and he was like I, I don't understand I can't see any breaks, but it must be wrong. So we'll put it in a cast for the next week. So right. it's like big cast thing. Oh, yeah, like temporary cast. And so then you have another x-ray because then once the swelling's gone down, we'll see where it's broken. I was like, oh, okay. So the swelling went down. I think after maybe three or four days, I decided to cut the cast off myself because it was nice. annoying. Just, nice. you know, just as you do. Yeah. So I thought, oh, yeah, I'll just cut this off. I'm probably fine. And it it was it was really swollen. It was sure. definitely yeah. Some, I'd done something, but went back and had another X-ray, and they said, "Oh, we still can't see any breaks." But so you've you've done something, so we'll send you for an MRI because <laughs> right. you can't have had this impact and done done nothing. Right. Had an MRI, still nothing. So that was very lucky. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then following that, then the broken ankle, um, which is yeah, both of these things. I mean, I've landed off safely a number of times also. Sure. Um, <laughs> but it was just, yeah, like sort of learning from those mistakes of, okay, I know that I don't make deci- decisions high enough. Sure. Of like, okay, this is my plan. This is where I'm going to go. Sure. I'd sort of, at the last moment, oh, shit. And then you end up landing wherever you land. Right. Which isn't. I was always a bit of a paranoid jumper. Not overly so, but I made the decisions sometimes higher than I needed to. Mm. Um, but I've also been lucky enough to work at operations where there were tons of outs. And, yes. You know, so you always had easy things. I did uh, um, a few years in Skydive Cross Keys, which is a huge landing area surrounded by a fuckload of trees. Mm. And there have been a few times I've kicked the leaves of trees coming over the top that were looking back, not exactly wise decisions yeah. to go to the landing area, but there's also not a lot of uh, outs once you get too far out there. Okay. Uh, but I just got kind of lucky when mm. it came to off-field landing stuff. Um, but a lot of drop zones, you're not getting go-arounds because you think you've got a bad spot. It's the light's green, get the fuck out of the plane. Yeah, just get out, yeah. <laughs> and then it's up to the jumper to deal with pulling high or, or doing whatever you got to do. Mm. Which that's that's when that decision making comes in. Yeah, and now like even when I'm in a you know different drop zone, I'll look out and sort of think to myself, okay, if there's an aircraft emergency now, where would I go? Right. Because like before, I hadn't even really considered those things. Like sure. I know, yeah, there obviously could be an aircraft emergency, but so rare. Sure. Just sort of people become complacent and think that skydiving is safe. Um. So uh, you just you know hadn't even really thought about just those kind of things. So. Sure. Yeah, now, I mean, when I've jumped to the desert, you just look out and there's a desert. Yeah. So I'm going to land in the desert. Yeah. If, if there's an aircraft emergency, I'm pretty sure that's going to be okay. But yeah. there's a lot of places, you know, you're over the ocean or you're over Absolutely. like a city or you're over this. Like, you know, where would I go? What would I do? Yeah. Where are the winds coming from? Thinking about all these different things. So And it's big decisions to make. And in the UK, there's quite a lot of times where it'd be like, okay, I know at this point the sun is over here because we've got a blanket layer of cloud. I don't right. actually know where I am. Okay, I know the plane is flying this way. We're over the town at the moment. The sun is over here. This is where the wind is coming from. Those are the kind of things you had to end up thinking about. Sure. So, 
Well, the, I mean, uh, especially with the weather stuff, obviously, you don't have to put up with that too much in the U.S. because they've got the, the cloud limitations. Yeah. So, you know, you're not dealing with that too much. At least you're not supposed yeah. to be. I mean, you're not supposed to be in the U.K. Uh, technically, <laughs> well, but if you guys didn't fuck you, around with clouds, you'd never jump. You'd never jump. So, yeah, I remember being once at DeLand and there was a few clouds and we had to stop jumping. And I was like, this is a perfect day in England. Right. This would be literally the perfect summer's day. Yeah. But we can't jump because there's a few clouds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah thank the FAA for that. Yeah. <laughs> that being said, uh, air traffic in the United States is different than almost anywhere else. Yeah. The GA, general aviation there, there's fucking planes everywhere. So mm. when there's clouds out, it's probably not a good idea to go punch in clouds depending on where you're at. Yeah. And Florida is a pretty heavy population for a small aircraft. Mm. So, again, <laughs> not necessarily a great thing. Yeah. One, it's funny, uh, um, you say people get the impression that skydiving is safe, yes. which it is yeah. kind of, right? Kind of, yeah. Because, I mean, I would say at least once a week a passenger goes, but is this safe? And I'm like, well, I can't say yes. Yeah. We're going to make it as safe as we possibly can. Sure. But realistically, you coming here in a taxi was much more dangerous. Absolutely. Well, that's when you get to toss out the fun statistics, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I used to love it when people would ask, so, um, like, do, do people die? Yes. Yes. And I wouldn't give them any follow-up. I just, do people, yes, they, they die. Absolutely. In Skydive? Yes. Absolutely. Have you, like, yes. Has anybody died here? Yes. And you just see this look come over their face, and then you wait until it's soaked in a little bit, and then you go, that being said, no one doing a tandem has ever yeah. died here. And you try, and then you give them the statistics and all. But I was always very blunt about going, yeah. absolutely, we can die doing this. Yeah. Absolutely, because that's why you're signing that fucking paper. It's not a joke. We just made you sit down and watch you know, the lead singer for ZZ Top, um, the old Bill Booth video, which oh, you yeah. may or may not have seen. Um, it was great. It, it, this, hor this horrible wood paneled wall behind him. And he starts out, I'm Bill Booth from Relative Workshop. And he's got this massive ZZ Top beard. And he tells you, you could die and you can't sue us. And if you do sue us, you have to pay for all that. And it's just this horrifying video. Yeah. But then they'd come out and go, yeah, but I mean, really, could we die? Yes. That's why you fucking watch that video. Yes, you absolutely could. Yeah. It takes a, a, a unique mentality, though, to be able to know what we do is that dangerous and still do it as a, a living. Yeah. Right? I mean, it, it's – is there something wrong with us, do you think? Maybe. Are we, are we either – do we have something extra or are we missing something important? Maybe a combination. Right? Yes. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, because there's a lot of people in skydiving that <laughs> – very interesting characters that you would never meet anywhere else in the world. That is true. Yeah. That is true. That's one of the things that makes it so great, right? Yeah. I mean, bar none, every person I've had on the podcast always says the same thing. The best part about skydiving is the community. The community, yes. Yeah. Exactly. Like, so anywhere you go, so I could think, okay, I'm going I'm going on holiday to this place. And if you like turn up to a drop zone, instantly you have friends. Yep. You know, you probably know a friend of a friend. You could go stay with them. Yeah, it's well. It, it like uh, they they have the whole six degrees of separation with famous people, yeah. but with skydiving, it's one degree. Yes, yeah, one degree. You, you know someone that knows someone. Yeah. Period. That's it. Yeah. Uh, it's a small community, yeah. and the longer you're in the sport, obviously, the more people you get to know. Yeah. I don't think any established skydiver, unless you're a complete prick, you have a couch in almost every country in the world. Yeah. 
which is amazing. It's amazing, yeah. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. And that goes for active jumpers or people like me that are kind of weekend warriors or healing or people that have stopped jumping. You're still a skydiver. Exactly. You're in the community. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. And it's it's a f- proper fun community. Yeah. It is. It, a, yeah. Little, a little bit off the wall. Yeah. Even, I mean, when I was at university, so a girl I was living with, I think we checked um, – um, we checked EasyJet or something, and there was a flight to Moscow for forty pounds return. I was like, "This is amazing." I think at the time there was some sort of conflict happening in Moscow, so that was potentially why in the, Moscow. No, no with way. Russia what? issues. With Putin, no. Um, so yeah, we'd we'd book this flight. We then realised the visa that we had to. <coughs> Sorry. It's quite alright. <laughs> The visa we had to get to go to Russia was more expensive than the flight. I think that cost eighty pounds. Right, but still very cheap. It's pretty good like, deal. Oh, it's pretty yeah. good to go to Moscow. Yeah. So off we went to Moscow. At the time, I think I think I was twenty two, and my ha- my housemate and I decided that we weren't going to tell our parents we were going to Moscow. At the same weekend, we were going. My mom was going to. Belgian Christmas market or something like this. Right. So she wasn't going to call me. She was probably just going to message me at some point asking if I was okay. So I was like, oh, I just won't tell her because she'll freak out. Sure. But if I go to Russia, she won't like that. So off we went. And the we think we just stayed in a hostel. But a friend of mine through skydiving, through the skydiving club in the university. Right. He was the president at the time, and he was from Estonia, but had I remember him telling me he'd studied in Moscow. Mm. So I messaged him, like, oh, do you know anyone in Moscow? And he was this guy that we met wasn't a skydiver, this guy called um, Sasha. And he just said, yeah, you can go and meet my friend Sasha. He's really nice. He'll show you around. So we get to Moscow and then go and meet this guy, Sasha. He takes us out on this crazy night out. Um Full of shots, full of everything. It was, yeah, a very, very heavy night. Right. Um, I, we kept trying to pay for drinks. He was, like, refusing, like, no, you are my guest. We must pay for you. And I was like, <laughs> I mean, okay, thank you. Awesome. Great. Um, and then, yeah, d- uh, I mean, he's not, this guy wasn't a skydiver, but just through knowing a skydiver, managed sure. to, you know, make friends in Russia, have my own personal tour guide. Right. Great. It's, How cool is that? Yeah, like, this is such a... Uh, inclusive sport and you meet certain like a big thing I mean a lot of people in the universe like different universities in the UK I don't know what it's like now but at the time a lot of my friends or my like my parents friends children who are at university it was quite like everyone just sort of met other British people and they made friends with yeah people from around the UK but sure. uh, but I had made friends that internationally like yeah all, yeah like I knew someone, you know, someone from South Korea, someone from India, someone from here, someone from Estonia. Like, I had all these different friends from all around the world, which sure. you didn't really... Like, on my course, there was a... It was very just much British. Sure. Yeah. Oh, you guys were the bane of my existence, especially in Cross Keys. I was a single guy hanging out with uh, two... Pardon me, three Brits yeah. and an Irishman. And then there's me in Philadelphia. American women, as soon as I started speaking, oh, they're like, oh, fuck off. And then they hear the British guys. Uh, you're done. You're done. You're done. Yeah, and then, uh, um, <laughs> and, and you know one of them uh, you've worked with with the perfect hair. We won't even talk about him because he's fucking Jesus Christ, man. 
ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous, that guy. We'll just call him quiet guy because he was on a previous podcast as quiet guy and didn't speak. <laughs> Refused. Uh, but again, Englishman, I, I didn't stand a chance. There's no way because you guys just came over and took over everything. Yeah. And yeah, and I mean, enough. it's it's very well known that American women do love the British accent. Suckers for, Americans are suckers for the English accent. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also very surprised just how the whole world is so receptive of British people. So even like recently I went to Sri Lanka and when I told people that I was from from the UK near London, they're like, wow. And I was like, I mean, I've read the history. Right. I know what happened here. Yeah. I know what we did. Yeah. And the people are like, wow, I love London. It's amazing. We love the Queen. We I was like, do you do? I think maybe that's because America's busy taking the heat right now. Yeah, that's true. You know? yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've, I've taken to when I'm doing a lot of international traveling, finishing all my sentences with A. How you doing, A? <laughs> that way they just don't. Oh, you must be Canadian. Yeah. It's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Disguise. <laughs> but it's, I mean, you're right. The, the skydiving community is international. Even if you don't leave where you're from, yeah. if you're, if you're jumping at even a medium sized drop zone, mm. let alone a proper big drop zone, the world comes to you. Yeah. Like for the first, Jesus, five or six years that I was in the sport, at least I didn't leave my one drop zone and I met the whole world, Yeah. which is amazing. It really is. And people that I'm still friends with 26 years later, yeah. which is so cool. Yeah, and I can think even so the um, small drop zone I was working at in the UK before I went and traveled. Um, I mean, the people who own that drop zone, they're the best. I mm. love them. They're amazing. Um, Cat and Buzz. So they've had this sort of very, it's a very family orientated drop zone and everyone's very close with each other. And it's, you know, it's a really good um, family feel to it. Mm. Um, and like two of the people from there that I've, you know, kept in contact with, they're both... They're both Hungarian and they're both surgeons. So you just meet people. Yeah. Like, it's amazing, right? It's amazing. Yeah. Well, and I'll never forget uh, uh, jumping at the first drop zone that I was at. One of the guys at the drop zone was a known pot dealer. And one of the guys was a known police officer that worked Vegas's yeah. version of SWAT. And on the drop zone... It was all good. Yeah. Like they were friends. They jumped together and go out and do fun jumps. And I'll never forget the the cop leaning over to him at one point going, you know, if I ever catch you off the drop zone, you're fucked. Yeah. But on the drop zone, it was like, you know something, this is neutral territory. Let's just go have some fun. And it's every profession, which is one of the reasons I've had so much fun doing this podcast because I have everything from degenerates to PhDs. Yes. And you never know what people's backgrounds are that fed them into this crazy sport that we've got going yeah which just keeps evolving and so good so good yeah it's amazing yeah, yeah. there's a there's a big yeah so in the uk there's sort of like a big yeah sort of contingency of people from university mm. and simon was the same Lindley, yeah um some other guys we work with but there's yeah like that is a, a massive proportion and it it does make it quite easy because i guess like you're more like so as i said we're all doing similar degrees sure and it sort of means you're more likely to have things in common with those people. Sure. So, it, it, yeah, it was a very good, um, I don't know, like it was a very good way at university to sort of meet new people. So not just the people on your course, but yeah, sure. meet other like-minded people. And then the, so the other universities would all meet up and they'd have these events. So you go to One Drop Zone and 15 of these universities would bring all their students there and they'd try and do some static line jumps, but realistically they were just there to get wasted and Absolutely. cause a- havoc. 
Again, it's that community, right? Yeah. I mean, I know people that go to boogies that have no intention of jumping. Oh, yeah. They're just at the boogie because they know shit's going to get wild. Like Summerfest yeah. in Chicago, oh, for yeah. fuck's sake. I mean, half of the people that go to Summerfest have no <laughs> intentions of making more than a couple of jumps. Yeah. Because it's just going to be the off yeah. the hook. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I'm, uh, I'll go and only make a couple of jumps and then run away from the parties now. But yeah. <laughs> there definitely was a time that it was go big. Yeah. Good good stuff. <laughs> Yeah, there is, it, yeah, skydivers, it's well-known sort of like, you'll start talking to someone and then you'll sort of very, you know, start talking about partying and then you sort of gauge and like, some, there's some people like, I feel like there's a, especially working in skydiving, there's a few different types of people. Sure. So there's sort of like the the people who love partying and going out drinking all the time and, and then there's sort of like the adventurous people who like, you know, want to go hiking and do this. Right. And then there's sort of, and then I hit where I'm working now, it seems to be like there's a crew of people that like, love playing video games and so there's sort of like a few different groups so sure. you have to sort of you can sort of gauge quite quickly talking to someone where you fit in with this group well and there's a there's definitely a a, a code um, you just have the shorthand between skydivers and you you can see who fits in where yeah. uh, or who used to fit in where like all uh, uh, all of my stories are back then when because mm. none of that stuff fits anymore like the day wraps up at the drop zone for me and I go home yeah <laughs> and I'm in bed early I'm getting old um, <laughs> so it's always a I remember when and and so I get to live vicariously through all the other stuff that's going on which yeah, all the stories yeah yeah thoroughly entertaining but like mm. I said uh, before uh, somebody had said something about a boat party and my idea of a boat party is one where it's parked at the pier so I can get off Leave. the fucking boat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Smoke bomb. Yeah. It's time to go. Yeah. So, um, but it's still, it's, uh, what? No, you don't get to be on the podcast. <laughs> the dog wants out. Yeah. I, she's, well, I actually, we are hitting the hour mark. She knew. Oh, Look she, at that. Yeah, she knows. Well then, so we're, since we're at the time that we're at, I'm going to ask um, two questions that I usually follow up the interviews with. Okay. Uh, what advice do you have to people that are just getting into skydiving? What should be should they be thinking about and, and aiming towards just as they're beginning? And for old fuckers like me that might be getting burned out, um, at, but they're looking for a way to reinvigorate the sport for themselves, what should they do? I guess for the new jumpers, um, just try and absorb as much knowledge as you can. You know, go, try and as well, like, I mean, I know a lot of especially women that would, you know, oh, I'm only comfortable jumping here and you get really focused on, okay, this is my landing here and I know how to land here. And there's sort of that fear of going somewhere new. So try and push yourself to go to new drop zones, meet new people. Um, that's how, you know, you learn and how you progress in the sport. Sure. Um, yeah, I've sort of pushed quite a few of my friends to go, you know, try different drop zones in the UK, mm. go on holiday, go to the Algarve, stuff like that. Sure. Um, which I think is really important so that you don't just sort of just get focused on, oh, no, but this is where I jump. And right. Yeah, I think that can happen a lot. Um, and I, I guess, like, for people who get burnt out, because at times even I've felt like that, um, mm. either, you know, try and think, uh, try a new discipline, okay? Sure. Like, I haven't ever wingsuited. So I'd still like to do that. There's still so many things you can try. Sure. Um, and especially if you work in skydiving. So when I, I remember after a few seasons just doing outside video, I kind of would, I think, 
it was a day where I'd only I'd done four jumps, and it was a summer's day, and like it wasn't because it wasn't good weather. It was just there wasn't that many people who wanted outside video, mm. and I remember feeling like really pissed off, like oh I've only done four jumps, what a waste of my time. And I thought, wait a minute, hang on, I've just been paid four times to jump out of a plane. It's right. pretty cool. You have to have a reality check, and then think to myself. I really wasn't doing much fun jumping. I was just doing outside video. Okay, I need to take a weekend off a month and go do some fun jumps. Sure. Because you can lose sight of... If you just do the same thing again and again, you can lose sight of what you're doing and sure. it becomes mundane and it doesn't become exciting anymore. So even if it's just, you know, joining an event or something different, sure, just to have some fun. Well, no, and I agree too. I, I hit the burnt out, a burnout a bit when I was primarily shooting video. Um, but I'd been doing so much of it that I found myself in free fall thinking about shit that was pissing me off on the ground. And I landed going, whoa, whoa. Yeah. wait a second. <laughs> no, there's only one thing I should be thinking about during a skydive, and that's that fucking skydive, not anything else. And that was um, actually the advice you gave to people that were new mm. was where that kicked in. And I decided I needed to start hitting other places, even though yeah. I was a well-established jumper at the time. And that was where international travel started to come in. And then it was a whole new sport. Yeah. Because then I was the illegal alien bouncing around doing stupid shit. Yeah. Well, this was good. I'm glad you took the time to come in. Yeah, this was you. This was very, very cool. I like hearing all the different backgrounds and especially, again, math and PhDs and all these different things that people mm. do that all funnel them somehow into our bizarre sport. Yeah. It's a very diverse mixture of people. It is. Yeah. It is. Awesome. And I'm glad you took the time. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Blue skies? Yeah. <laughs> and there you have it. Another episode of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void brought to you as always by, and say it with me, fuck yeah, NZ Aerosports. Head to nzaerosports.com. By Pussfoot. That's right. Head to Pussfoot.com, the extreme sports collective, and check out everything they've got to offer. By SummitParachuteSystems.com. Jarrett Martin and the family cranking out amazing pilot rigs, as well as incredible rigging courses. And now joining the Lunatic team, it's the one and only Tony Suits. You know them, you love them. Head to TonySuit.com. Check out all the amazing standards, as well as the new incredible signature line they've got going on. And as for us, the Lunatic Fringe is now on YouTube. That's right, you're going to have the chance to put faces to the audio by heading to YouTube.com and looking up the Lunatic Fringe Podcast. It's easy. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, check out all the amazing videos from the previous guests that we've had, as well as new and upcoming interviews on video. As always, I am the fucking pilot. Head to thefuckingpilot.net or theprincesspilot.com. Thanks for joining. We'll see you next time around.